Hey, before we get into the episode, I want to make sure you guys have the chance to register for free for Starting Small Summit 2024. We have a very exciting panel this year with the founder of ButcherBox, Safa Mattresses, and online creator Lexi Hensler, the founder of Hugs. Registration is completely free, and you can find more on our website or ideaweek.com, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by a Starting Small alum from 2021, Edgar Blazona with his new venture, Made Right. Luxurious, audacious, contemporary furniture made right in the heart of California. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by a familiar face, Edgar Blazona of Made Right. Um, Edgar, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's nice to see you again. Yeah. And to those that are out there, um, if you haven't heard Edgar's story before, make sure to go and listen uh, before you listen to this one because it kind of will transition nicely. But Edgar was a previous guest, I believe, in 2021. Um, But exciting kind of transitions I want to cover here, Edgar. So a new company made right. Kind of talk us through the transition away from Benchmade Modern, which is luxury furniture, um, kind of the result of that and when that happened. Yeah. Well, it's been quite a, quite a ride. And, 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 you know, I will, I'll start by saying, you know, I, a long time ago, I owned a furniture brand called True Modern and, and I kind of pivoted that brand. It was a wholesale brand. I pivoted that brand into Benchmade Modern. And, you know, you and I spent some good time covering that and all the ups and downs. And, and really just to kind of touch on that, it was a startup, you know, I raised venture capital, I was really pushing the envelope in all these different ways. I was trying to make this sofa buying experience fun mm. and, you know, not suck. And I, and I've said that before and probably, you know, probably even said it to you. And, and so I built this like disruptor, you know, and I, and yeah. that was my goal, you know, growing up in the Bay area, you know, where, you know, you're kind of bred, you know, if you're in this era right now, you're bred, like build a disruptor, go out, raise money, you know, break stuff, you know, all those things, and then disrupt an industry and then let them buy you. And, you know, I think that's an interesting part of of this story. And I don't think people really think that through, right? Mm. Build a disruptor, go disrupt them, let them buy you and then go work for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Someone that you've been like kind of pressing their buttons for the last few years to get noticed and to break their thing and, and show up. And then on top of that, then go work for them. And so, you know, that's where the story sort of changes a bit, right? Um, you, you, you have to go work for this beast that you've been pushing on, try to make friends, right? Try to, you know, and, and then, and then lift them up. That's the whole purpose, right? Change mm. their ways. Yeah. Well, it turns out in the furniture industry, it's really hard to change their ways, right? Yeah, I for mean, sure. That's what they are. They're they're you know they're old school. They built this business this one way, and you know what do you know kind of thing. And mm-hmm. well, I've been in the furniture business since I dropped out of high school. I know a yep. thing or two. I don't know what it's like to run a you know, $500 million sofa business. I don't, right? So yeah. they got that on me. But I do know what's happening in the future, right? Mm. I'm one of the people pushing the future. For sure. 
And so that's a tough, that's a tough thing to do. And, and so then, you know, you come along and you build this business and then suddenly for me, suddenly, you know, some changes at the top, right? Yeah. They bring in a new CEO, the, the private equity, you know, uh, isn't, isn't as happy as they were before we go through COVID, you know, we're on these, all these crazy rides. We go through COVID and, and some big changes happened. And, and yep. frankly, I lost control of the, you know, design, mm. the creative in the brand. I lost control of the customer experience. Mm. And that's where things started to turn and really make a, a change. Yeah. If you can kind of dive into uh, at the, the point of your kind of departure, the state of Benchmade Modern, um, for example, like how many collections, what what did like success look like for Benchmade Modern at that point overall? Can you kind of paint that picture? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't really talk numbers. I don't really want to get in trouble, you know, for that. But what I can say is that, you know, Benchmade Modern was, you know, a top three direct to consumer sofa brand. And, and we sold that brand to American Leather, which is a mega company, you know, yeah. um, and the and the business was doing pretty well. Um, and at, frankly, at my point, when I left, I had achieved all my goals, you know, everything I kind of signed up for, I had achieved. And it really was time for me to go. And I and I left the business in, in, in pretty good shape. And, you know, it was um, but they wanted to make some directional changes. And, and so that left me in a really kind of weird position. What do I do? Right. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I dropped out of high school and started a furniture brand. So like, I, this is what I do. This is, I didn't just pick some dumb problem and go to fix it. You know, I, I truly went out and, and solved a problem in my industry mm. and, you know, and so Benchmade was, was, you know, doing pretty well. And, and now, um, you know, after my non-compete, I had to wait a year, mm. uh, year and some change, whatever, um, to start a new, uh, a new thing in, in furniture and in sofas. And now I am back to building, you know, a new sofa brand, almost picking up where I left off all yeah. those things that told me, mm, I don't know if we want to do that. You know, this has changed a bit, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, I have now been able to pick up um, and and kind of you know start again and 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 do all the things that I never quite finished. Yeah, for sure. And for the listeners out there, um, kind of paint that picture from coming from Benchmade and then also developing your new brand. What does this archetype kind of look like? And is it really kind of a blueprint of what you built with Benchmade? Kind of like the customability behind everything. What what does that look? And what was your vision with with launching? Yeah. Uh, th that's a good question because, because that's a question that I ask myself, like what is, what makes it different, right? Yeah. And what makes it different today? Um, what makes it, you know, what are the things that I truly never got to, to change, right? What are the things that I truly never got to fix? And, and so some of that is, you know, Benchmade was built on this, really custom. Like we started with one inch increments. We started yeah. with super custom made in 24 hours. We learned that people didn't want to buy a sofa made in 24 hours, mm. right? It, it, it couldn't be good enough. The quality must be bad if you can do it that quickly. Well, that's not the case, but yeah, but that's how the customer presumes that. And so with, with made right, I chose to take a different approach, right? I, 
I went to I I, I went to this you know the big furniture. Uh, extravaganza every year is in North Carolina. It's the Furniture Mart, right? And everyone flies in. And I'm walking around. There's booths everywhere and buildings everywhere, all this furniture. And I'm thinking, I don't fit in here. Like, Mm. these are not my people. I'm supposed to be here, but these aren't my people. Like, I need to lean in to me, right? I need to lean into that little punk-ass kid who grew (laughs) up in San Francisco, you know, painting on walls and skateboarding. I need to lean into that dude. I need to lean into what has shaped me here in California. And so that kind of transpired into, first of all, I need to make it right. Like, and, and that kind of brought the brand name to me, right? Made right. Like I'm going to make it right. And, and then I started thinking, okay, how can I attach a feeling to it? And so we brought in the word California. And, mm. and California, let's just be clear, because this is kind of, you know, it's a slippery slope, this California thing. First of all, <laughs> like half of America hates California, number one. But maybe those aren't my customers, frankly. Yeah. And number two, when you think California, you might want, you might think Baywatch and, and palm trees, right? Well, we're yeah. not talking Baywatch and palm trees. We're talking what California has brought to the rest of the world. We're talking design. We're talking you know, technology, we're talking food, you know, mm. we're, we're talking this, this inspirational place that, that really is about, you know, free thinking and, and, you know, what's next. And yeah. so I embarked on making that the goal, right? That's mm. the, that's our differentiator, right? How do we, yeah. how do we make this brand legit, right? Mm. Like, yeah, that's important. You know, and, and, and so instead of me just being like, oh yeah, I make custom sofas fast, you know, no, we make custom sofas, we make them fast, we make them, you know, we make them in all these shapes and sizes, but, but it's authentic. And, and I think having that authentic brand story is really a valuable twist Mm. when you're out in the marketplace in a sea, frankly, of other furniture companies. Yeah, for sure. And I know um, something you really built out with Benchmade was the customer service aspect behind that. I know you guys did white glove delivery. What does that look like now for Made Right? Um, you, you said you kind of lost traction of the, the customer service and experience. What is that going to look like for um, Made Right now? Yeah, well, we first of all, we're, I don't know, three, four months in, right? So we are, yeah. we are you know, bringing, I mean, I'm working at warp speed, right? And I am bringing the hacks, right? Yeah. How can I get you know as many collections like benchmade has i don't know 15 collections is thousands of SKUs. how do i do that in a short amount of time right (laughs) and how do i do that customer experience right how do i how do i fine tune it so one of the things that i did was i set out to be the biggest best swatch box on the market Mm. my swatches are twice the size of other brands yeah I think I think I'll start referring to them and and all these other brands as other brands, right? For sure. Like I I want to, you know, I I, I want to win, right? And so yeah. So what do I want to do? I want to bring these swatches to market that are bigger. They're bigger. They're better. There's more performance to them. I narrowed the playing field down. I I, I don't send quite so many, you know, and and I and I put them in this big grand box and I ship out this big grand box. It costs a lot of money, but it's yeah. it's important for the customer to get that and to realize like, okay, they mean business. Certainly. 
certainly. So that was that's one aspect. Um, I think too, you know, we've opened up the the window of you know trying to allow people like we're not just saying we're this big giant company right now we're not right and and let's lean in on that right let's lean in on the aspects that we do great what can we do great we can add even more custom to it so give Mm. us a call like call me right get me on the phone i'm still available right now right yeah me on the customer service call and and tell me you want it two inches bigger okay most likely i'm gonna say yes because I've aligned myself with manufacturing that will allow for that kind of thing mm. because I'm no longer trying to be the mega company. And I think yeah. that's, that's an interesting play. And I, and I think when we, when we talk about that in, a, in that Bay Area, raise a lot of money, build a giant business, do we really need that? Mm. Like, you know, a great business is a, is a corner hardware store. A great yeah. business is a guy who has three hardware stores. Exactly. Why do I need to raise all this capital and build this big mega machine, you know, uh, to finally get pushed around and, and whatever, you know, I've done that. So, so yeah. one of the things I learned was let's keep it small, let's keep it tight and let's actually give the customer this amazing thing mm. that's like, here, let me hand this to you. Like it, it's, it's amazing. For sure. Yeah, having like the domain with .ca and kind of California in the name, um, where do you see the potential of national coverage? Do you, you see it focused regionally in California or how is that going to play out for you? No, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. And because, you know, there's many California brands, right? Yeah. And and how does it play out? Well, I'll tell you, our, our sales is like, you know, 40% California, 40% New York, Mm. and then 20% everywhere else. Yeah. So the New York people like California. I like New York, right? We don't, we're not in a feud. Yeah. Right. And so, and so having that California vibe, I don't think it hurts us. Yeah, for sure. Right. We, and I, and the, the name of the company is really made right. And we, you know, we put CA on the back of it you know, to kind of reinforce it. And, and to be honest, maderight.com wasn't available. Right. Mm. And so, but, but I like the fact that I always wanted to create that California vibe. Right. Yeah. And I knew I, I'm from here, right. Our sofas are made from here. Yeah. And so why don't we lean in on, on that? And I think that's a really interesting point when you talk to other startup founders is how do you lean in on, on the things that you have, mm. right. That yeah. are already kind of built into your pie versus trying to express who you are that really aren't kind of in your pie yet, you know? Mm. And, and, and I think that's the little difference that I'm trying to achieve. And I, and I hope it comes through as, yeah. as legit and real. For sure. Looking at uh, made right and going into 2024, say a customer was to purchase a sofa um, you mentioned you're not really focused on speedy um, construction, no 24 hours. But what does that look like delivery time-wise? Is it? Do you guys hold inventory? Will you hold inventory? Will it be customized yeah. on the spot? What, what will that look like? Yeah, we we have uh, we have a plan. Our you know our plan is 12 collections and all the different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. You know, we are just offering um, you know big giant U-shaped sectionals. We've got this new cushion package. I'll tell you about that after. I'm so excited about this yeah. cushion package. But but what we're doing to you know to make sure that we can maintain 
that two week, Mm. you know, timeline, manufacturing timeline, you know, we have to inventory legs, we have to inventory fabrics, you know, we have to not show a bunch of fabrics that aren't available, right? Like, that's the trick. You know, why put up a bunch of fabrics that you don't have to sell? Yeah. You know, um, because people are coming to us that really want, you know, they do want that speed. So it's not that I don't think speed is important. I do. Um, yeah. And in fact, there's a magic number and it's right below, you know, two weeks. That's the magic number. And so that's where we're tracking to get back to mm. um, is that is that, you know, OK, fine. I'll say it. Ten day, you know, yeah, that's the number. That's the goal. And that's what people want to hear. For sure. Love it. Getting into kind of the transition for, I mean, you have this long history in furniture, designer furniture. What does your relations look like with like manufacturers? Did that carry over and how does that play out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. So the interesting thing is that I, while I don't work for that big mega company more, everybody wants to work for me, right? Everyone wants to work with me because it's legit. It's real. It's passion. it's, It's all those things, right? And so all the relationships that I built long before. I mean, let's just remember, I didn't build this company to, you know, to just like, oh, I'm going to be in the light switch business. Like, yeah, I built a business that I was already in. I already had all those relationships. I knew that company because of my relationships. Right. Yeah. And so and so all that stuff is carrying through and it. But I tell you, it is so humbling. It it is. It's been a while since I cared about two orders, right? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking about, I mean, I care about every order, but, but like, we got two orders today. Like, that's crazy, right? I've been it. doing, you know, two orders with my eyes closed. It is so humbling <laughs> to be kind of having these conversations with people. And I'm like, you know, well, what's your marketing budget? Well, uh, it's like $5. It's not like yeah. $500,000 like it used to be, you know? Yeah. And so and and so it's it's a real change in conversation and the good news is is it is my industry and when I say we'll be there, um I've done it three times. This will be my third time. I've 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 done it. So yeah. um everybody's getting in line and 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 is excited to to back again because of the passion and mm. And, you know, I'm not just some fly-by-night dude. Like, yeah. you Google me. I, there's tons of stuff on me. And it's the same story. And so now I'm picking that up. And, and you know, here we go again. And and I got a couple tricks up my sleeve. And, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm opening up a hybrid store again, mm. right? Here we go again. I, I, I wasn't able to achieve that. And so yeah. I'm not done with that. Like, I am focused on small footprint online in-store furniture buying experiences and i'm not letting that go and so you know i just leased the store uh you know we'll be open in a couple weeks and and you know back at it again trying to fine-tune that buying experience Mm. amazing i feel like a very important question and listeners are probably wondering is um when you transitioned you mentioned venture capital for benchmade and some of the other brands but did how is the funding looking for made right is it all bootstrapped any venture capital what's that like yeah yeah it is and it's it's uh again another humbling experience right it's my money right it's it's you know it's me not taking a salary it's yeah it's me 
It's, it's me finding ways. I think that's what we need to remember. You know, if I, when, I, when I talk to other founders, I, I, want, I remind them like, okay, if you have a bazillion dollars, you can go out and hire the top New York, you know, branding house. Then you can go hire the top not manufacturing guys, then the top marketing guys. And lo and behold, you will have a top notch business if you stick yeah. to it. Yeah. But you will have spent a hundred million dollars to get there and your personal wealth and your personal equity and, and all that will be zero. Right. Yeah. And most likely your business is going to go out of out of out of business. I mean, mm. there are a couple uh, well-known names in this industry, my old competitors that are gone due mm. to that exact strategy. So hack your way. Find your way. Find, find your way without having to go and sign up for some contract that you know you need mutual NDAs and and all that. You know, find mm. a way to remember who you are as a startup founder. Yeah, hack your way to the top. For sure. Looking into, I know you guys just launched, but for these first products, what did kind of um, the concepts and design process R and D look like for you? Um, do you have any? partners or are you consultants on that side? What does that look like? Yeah, I got consultants all around the horn. You yeah. can't, you can't do this at this speed. Um, easily. I am a yeah. furniture designer myself, so I've got a one up on everybody, right? I, I, you know, all the stuff I'm designing, I'm pushing out, you know, looking in the market. I come from that, you yeah. know, so I've, I'm already dealing with my assortment, dealing with the product development you know, I've done product development for Pottery Barn, RH, you know, some big brands, you know, Walmart, Target. I know that game with my eyes closed, right? Yeah. And so, and so that comes very naturally. So the product assortment comes quickly. Um, but, you know, the imagery, the, the, gosh, the imagery, the, the design of the feel of the site, you know, all of that stuff, the emails, I mean, do you realize when you, when you, you don't realize, I'll tell you, you don't, and you don't realize what it takes when you go to a site and you, you know, put your name in their email newsletter, like the yeah. newsletter flows, the marketing flows around that are enormous, right? And, yeah. and the work that goes into that and the content that goes into that. Then you have things like, like, you know, I, I just introduced all of my sofas to be, you know, you click on it and it changes the color, right? Oh, you want to see the leather, mm. click on the leather and you can see it. Love it. People don't realize, they just think like, why don't you have color changing sofas? It's a ton of money. I mean, it's yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars and it looks crappy, right? And yeah. so, you know, and I, I can't, I'm not going to put $100,000 or $200,000 into a bunch of crappy images, right? That's just not, I don't For have sure. that to do that. And so how do we do it in a way? And so I had to find a way and part of it is, contractors and you know but it's it's a bunch of people who are all you know right there with it trying to make a cool thing because that's what we're trying to do and we're trying to do it in such a short time yeah for sure so I, I don't know I know you have a lot of consultants partners right now I don't know if it's you're the sole employee right now but from your point of view what would be that crucial hire maybe the next one to two hires that got that gets you to the next step such as prior yeah. I think when you when you, when I step out, I have always been one to employ people all over the world, right? Mm. 
Um, and a lot of that looks like um, contractors, right? And if yeah. you go back to, to my old company, you know, we only had five or six real employees. The rest of the team, which is a massive team, all sit in, in first of all, the team sat everywhere, but, but the, and this is pre-COVID, and I've been doing this since, you know, I don't know, late 90s. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, and so, and you put together a, a group of contractors and, and they all sit and they all kind of work together and you weave them in together. You do need an, a few employees there to, kind of handle um that and yeah. and part of that is is creative right mm. excuse me how do you how do you take that that look and feel that i'm trying to convey and generate enough creative content to be either an online or an in-store thing and yeah. you know me we've talked i mean i have a lot of ideas man i got a lot of ideas <laughs> i'm sending texts all the time i'm thinking about this just want to put this in your brain you know here's what i'm thinking you know all those things because because while you know not all of them are great there's a good portion of them that need to be acted on and and i can't yeah. do it all myself right and so yeah. um but I think you find people, I would, I would even call these contractors kind of, I mean, they're employees. Um, yeah. They want to be contractors. I don't know that I could hire them anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. So to answer your question, I think you've got a creative content person who's mm -hmm. kind of managing me, frankly. You know, yeah. I'm the one driving this creative side of things. And so and I've got a thousand things I want done. And so how does that person help drive that creative mm. and in, and then not put it all totally on me because I just can't mentally function yeah. um, at that, at that level. And at that speed, I think then we also, you know, are going to have to have a customer service person, um, you know, kind of handling the day to day beyond, you know, just the other tricks and, that we have up our sleeve. Yeah, for sure. Getting into kind of the future opportunities, maybe the next five years, do you see solely direct-to-consumer e-commerce or do you see opportunities of retail? What does that look like? No, direct-to-consumer is broken. I will yeah. say it. It didn't work. Yeah. Right? It's not working. Right? What Name, name a few that have worked. They haven't. There's, there's no brand. Well, I'll, I'll say no, but there's very few brands that actually worked as a direct-to-consumer. Right? Look at like Warby Parker. That's a great example. That was a brand that was direct to consumer to begin with. They yeah. opened a bunch of stores and, you know, they're succeeding, right? Casper, right? They got stores. I mean, everybody has some sort of omni experience and, and where I think omni retailing experience and yeah. where I think that, that the industry is headed is we want a brick and mortar experience for the fun of it. Yeah. Not to buy the product, right? Not to buy product, but just for fun. Like, yeah, I want to go like, come on, baby, let's go down to, you know, Main Street and, and walk the shops and get an ice cream. And then, oh, check out that. Let's go into that glasses store. And, oh, let me go check some piece of furniture. I don't even want furniture. But yeah, but it's that experience that that brings you through, you know, and you go in and out of of the retail, you know, vibe and, and it's, it's amazing. And so, and, and, you know, marketing costs have just become too expensive mm. and that's, that's a good reason for, um, direct to consumer to fall apart. Yeah. It's expensive. I mean, yeah. 
you know, my acquisition costs for a sofa is like six, six to $800. Oh my gosh. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. No, that's a that's great a point on the experience. I, uh, last year I was in Santa Monica quite a bit and third street promade where all of those like shopping strips are. It, I used to go there just for fun. <laughs> like, yes. it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And especially now that COVID's, you know, over, we were kind of flooding back and, and, and it's how to make the numbers right. Yeah. So if you were just a retailer, like when I started, I, you know, there was, you know, furniture, just retailers, they didn't even have websites. And then it's like, hello. Yeah. You know, wake up. There's this thing called a website. And everyone was like trying to figure out, like, if you're a retailer, like I'm Jonathan's sofa shop, right? Yeah. Like, like no one, like at that point, it was like, well, there's this thing called the internet. And should I be on it? And should I not? And, you know, well, it's very expensive. And, you know, everyone's like complaining about the online only guys, but the online only guys can't get any people to look at their site anyway. And so the retailer guy was winning and, you know, and we're all kind of, you know, coming together, trying to make up a business model. Yeah. And I think having a blend of those is really important. Mm. And I think... Go, I, I still believe in disrupting some of the biggest retailers mm. on the market, right? I, I think it. that's where it's at. Yeah. You know, not, you know, Pottery Barn is so boring, you know, who wants <laughs> to shop at Pottery Barn is boring. So let's go after them. Let's crush them with newness, right? I love it. I think, I think that that's, you know, that's where I'm headed and, and um, it might take me a little longer if I keep up with this, you know, bootstrap thing, but <laughs> But uh, I would not bet on me, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. Well, Edgar, uh, just with so much vision in the future and kind of like so much history in the past, I'd love to intertwine as we conclude um, a piece of advice for the aspiring entrepreneurs, something you've learned, regret along the way. I feel like you have so much wisdom on this. Uh, what would that be? Yeah. I'm going to repeat probably the exact same thing. I'm going to, I'll do two. I'm going <laughs> to give you probably what I said the last time when you interviewed me because this is my standard thing. And I think yeah. this is so important. And I learned this the hard way. You know, you, it is a crazy roller coaster ride. A startup founder is a crazy roller coaster ride. Not everyone is cut out for it. And there yeah. are crazy highs and crazy lows. And at one minute you're thinking, I am going to, you know, run the world. I'm going to buy a plane tomorrow. Right. And then yeah. the next minute after you've like, you know, Googled, you know, private 747, you <laughs> then have to then like Google what happens if my phone gets turned off. Mm. Right. Because you just lost the deal of your life. And, and so it's this roller coaster and it, and it breaks you and it breaks mm. your family. It's very difficult to be you know, in a, in a family relationship with that, because it's, it's too much of a ride for everybody. So, yeah. so really try to take all of that at a middle ground, like not too high and not too low. So that's, that's what I say in general. And I probably said that for, to you in the past. No, I love it. If I were to give you a new one, mm -hmm. um, coming from the guy who is just being humbled with, you know, a startup again from scratch, uh, I would say it's back to finding hacks, right? And yeah. and I want to I want to I want to make sure everyone understands that hack word. It's not that we're trying to, you know, cheat our way or or you know it it's or do it cheaply, you know, right? It's 
it's about finding tricks that mm. is good enough for now, right? That you can capitalize on in a big badass way, yeah. right? I think that's the most valuable thing a startup founder. Look for those hacks. Like, don't just Google an app to make to yeah. do it. Like, build a quarter of that app yourself, mm. and you know, stay up one night super late and build it, and and find a way to give them, you know, solve what you need now mm. for the amount of people that you're actually solving a problem for. Yeah. A million people aren't coming to my site next week. Yeah. Like, so why do we need this backend that can handle a million people on my site next week? So find a way to make these tricks and, and, and solve those problems, you know, on your own mm. without hiring big name companies, you know, do it yourself. Well, Edgar, thank you so much. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Made Right at maderightca.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small on social platforms and make sure to subscribe to our email so you don't miss anything on Starting Small Summit, more podcast episodes, or our online blog. You can find that link in this description.